You're listening to the MoneyWeb SAFM Market Update Podcast. And we're taking a look at a deal that we thought might be uh, a good thing for South Africa, but seemingly hasn't uh, happened and has the uh, the application has since been declined. I'm referring to the uh, Jindal Steel uh, or Jindal Power and Steel uh, deal to build a uh, iron ore mine in KZN that didn't go over so well. Uh, I'm joined on the line by the environmental lawyer uh, involved in the case uh, on behalf of All Rise, All Rise that's uh, Janice Atuli, to take a look at this. Uh, good evening, Janice. Thanks so much for taking uh, the time. Um, obviously, with uh, deals like this, there's a lot that goes into it before uh, the deal happens. And I know when the announcement was made that this wasn't going ahead, uh, what was cited uh, was that there was extensive uh, gaps in the environmental assessment in the context of the constitutional rights that related to this deal. What does that mean in English? Um, South Africa has a a constitution uh, and its Bill of Rights which uh, protects the environment um, and gives people the right to an environment that's not harmful to their health and well-being. Um, And then to give effect to that right, there's a whole lot of environmental legislation and where activities like a big mine has um, significant impact on the environment, on culture and the socioeconomic environment, then the applicant is required to get an environmental authorization and a various number of other licenses like a water use license and a waste management license. Um, so I think Jindal started this process uh, in 2013 and the current process that they that led to the refusal has been running since uh, 2021. Um, and they then appointed, in terms of the regulations, a whole lot of specialists to do studies. And they're also required to consult with all the um, interested and affected parties. So um, after this sort of two and a half year period with all these specialists, ended up in a report of over 3,000 pages, but with significant gaps in it. And so basically what the department said is that it can't make an informed decision and to give effect to our constitutional right in Section 24 um, because there's just not sufficient um, information to make that decision. Mm. Janice, before we get to the community aspects of it, let's start with the DMRE because you've just mentioned them. Um, I read through the uh, report that they sent out when they rejected the application and they cited that... um, a part of the rejection or part of the reason around the rejection was the fact that independent specialists uh, in certain respects are a no-no because they are prescribed specialists that need to be used uh, for the department to gain a certain level of assurance from their perspective. And I, I suppose that uh, speaks to what you've just alluded to where uh, you said that the DMRE also confirmed that they didn't have enough confidence on their side uh, around this. Um, is there a workaround uh, for this? Is it something where uh, Jindal can come back and say, okay, we'll employ the specialists that are in line with the DMRE to get this done? Uh, or is it something where uh, independent specialists or independent reports are admissible at some point? Um, well, I think one of the first um, entry points for whether being acceptable or not is that they fully meet the reporting cr- criteria in the legislation. Um, and that's to do full assessment. So, um, uh, you know, to, to end up with recommendations at the, at the end or gaps, these gaps where so much work still has to be done, um, Jindal would need to then either reappoint the same specialist or get other specialists to go back and actually 
complete the work. Mm. Um, and it's not just the specialist studies, but I know you said you'll come to the, the community consultation and... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's well. let's let's look at that. I mean, uh, as you mentioned, obviously with those specialist uh, reports, uh, Jindal cited on their side that it was as a result of a uh, restriction of access. But let's look at the community side of it. I mean, we're talking about twenty thousand hectares or more of space that uh, is being looked at for this particular mine, uh, and this is what we're dealing with. But in and around that, there are schools involved, there are homes mm. involved, there are. Um, Clinics, clinics, and, and and other things that would need to be relocated. Do we know how much of that um, is would need to be moved around for this uh, operation or for this deal to go ahead? I mean, according to the report that Jindal had uh, put together, uh, they had estimated around three hundred and fifty homes that need to be relocated. But I suppose that figure um, would be from their estimates and might not be a, a full reflection. Yes, because they actually haven't consulted or notified the people that may have to be um, relocated. And what they do is um, they are um, under the mining health and safety regulations. There's a requirement that if you're going to do blasting within 500 meters of infrastructure, including uh, houses, you need to get a special permit from the department. So generally the mines take as practice that they don't, they relocate, they put their fence line at a 500 meter boundary. But the 350 would be families. It's just an estimate. They haven't actually spoken to people in the area. They haven't really, um, uh, they haven't done a relocation action plan. Um, And that's only for phase one. So although it's 202 square um, square kilometers that they're applying the mining right for, they're only really in detail assessed the, the phase one. So there's two blocks. This is would be in the, the sort of um, southeast of, of the southern block, um, and that's the 350 families there. And if you look at an average 10 people per family, that's about 3,500 people who live there. But it's people live outside that area as well, but they still use the area. They might not have houses there, but they still graze their cattle. They still have fields. They still use clinics and schools. So it's a very conservative um, estimate to say only 350 because they haven't even looked at all the other phases of the project to come yet um, and there are 20 villages that are going to be affected in this whole area mm. um, so you know to say 350 is it's just the starting point, and it's it's a very small estimate at this stage. Mm. I take your point around the fact that I think uh, th- there's a lot of subsistence farming that does take place there as well. Um, there could be a positive uh, side to this as well, is to say that the communities uh, that are involved there uh, could potentially see uh, some job opportunities and, and, and those sorts of things. But uh, obviously that is something that will have to be included in the agreements and all of that. As it mm. stands at the moment, uh, from a community perspective, from an all rise perspective is there uh, an objection to Jindal coming into the space and operating the mine or is it more about saying that we want to ensure that the communities are safe that all of the other boxes um, or all of the other concerns have been addressed before we proceed rather than um, it being an outright rejection of of this project I, I think it's mixed response um there are communities in the northern block where have, they have just blocked access uh, for specialists to go to the area. They say they don't want mining there. Their land is worth, is the ancestral land, their graves, their houses, their culture 
cannot be bought or substituted. Um, so there are communities that are completely opposed to the mine because it will be. I mean, it's impossible not to um, to end up with those impacts of resettlement and the the impacts on their livelihoods and culture. And then there are other community members who are saying, um, you know, well, what's in it for us? And they're not convinced. There's only 800 jobs um, estimated per year, permanent jobs by the mine, and most of them are going to be skilled employers. So it's it's going to really not translate to, to jobs for local people. We see that all around the country in these mines. Um, most of the mine jobs are for skilled workers, and that skill base is just not there in the community. Um, I see. So so my, my, the, the community is definitely very hesitant at this stage uh, because they don't see uh, the value uh, that they would then be benefiting from for giving up their land, which is a, v- a valid concern, and we've yeah. seen that in the past as well. Um, where to yeah. from here, Janice? What, what do we? What happens here? I mean, I suppose the mine does, or Jindal uh, Steel and Power does have other remedies they can pursue, as do uh, the communities and and the DMRE in this case. Um, what are the next steps from this point of view? So the immediate remedy would be to appeal to do an administrative appeal. Um, of the the, uh, the department's decision. And they would appeal to Minister Creasy, who's the Minister of Forestry, Fisheries and the Environment. She's the appeal authority. And they have 20 days to do that. And then all registered, interested and affected parties on the database who participated in the EIA, they must be sent a copy of the appeal and they have a chance to respond as well. Um, but, you know, given the the, the lengthy and detailed reasons for the department's decision it's it's very hard to see that jindal is going to win an appeal uh it could take it further on review um but but in my view given these gaps which are undeniable i mean the specialist uh, the, the the environmental consultants admitted them themselves um you know they'd have to start again and do it properly um and try and address the conflict uh because this man has has caused lots of conflict. People's lives are in danger. People are in hiding. It's caused division in families and communities. Um, so that's a, another spin-off of, of when mines come into communities because not everyone has the same view um, on, on the sustainability of the mine. But certainly our clients, uh, they're opposed to this development because it will bring about large-scale um, impacts on their livelihoods irreversible impacts and also the commercial farmers who employ uh, one of our clients they employ 4,000 people from the agricultural jobs for local food um, production and export Um, and this mine will also destroy that economy as well Mm. Um, so we're talking about a net job loss um, which is understandable why people are opposed to the project never mind all the the impacts of water quality water supply um, you know, those are other big issues, climate change impacts. Mm. Well, so, um, yeah. well, it looks like they, they do still have quite a way to go. Uh, we'll have to leave it at that, Janice. Thanks so much mm. for those insights. Uh, that's Janice Tooley, who's an environmental lawyer at All Rise, sharing uh, the latest developments around the Jindal Steel and Power uh, attempt to uh, acquire a um, mining license, sorry, rather, in the KZN province uh, that was declined by the Department of Mineral Resources and Energy. You've been listening to another MoneyWeb SAFM Market Update podcast, uploaded weekdays at 7 p.m.
For more MoneyWeb podcasts, go to moneyweb.co.za or the app and follow MoneyWeb News for daily updates.